You are listening to Germantown Community Radio, WRGU 92.9 FM. Welcome to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show, a weekly radio program that spotlights positive real estate development and neighborhood revitalization throughout Philadelphia. I'm your host, Derek Hengemill. Jumpstart Philly is a unique community development program that trains, mentors, networks, and provides funding to aspiring real estate developers in seven different Philadelphia neighborhoods, including Germantown, where the program was founded. Jumpstart believes that you can do well by doing good and focuses on removing neighborhood blight, scattered site rehab, creating a healthy mix of affordable and market rate housing, and avoiding gentrification through slow, steady growth and keeping wealth local. Interviews are conducted during Jumpstart Germantown's weekly Jumpinar series, held on Monday nights at 7 p.m. with Zoom webinar. For more information about these events, check out the events page at jumpstartgermantown.com events. This week, I'm speaking with Rob Luciani, who works for the Office of Property Assessment, also called OPA, about what the assessed value of your home means and what the appeals and abatement process looks like. I hope you enjoy the conversation, and be sure to check out the podcast version of this program at jumpstartgermantown.com media. So yeah, uh, I want to introduce Rob Luciani, and he is a PA State Board Certified Real Estate Appraiser and Assessor, and he works for the Philadelphia Office of Property Assessment, OPA, and he holds the positions of Training Supervisor and Deputy Assessor. Uh, he's also an adjunct professor at Temple University uh, Real Estate Institute and the Communi- Community College of Philadelphia's Real Estate Department. So we're happy to have him here tonight, and I'm looking forward to the conversation. How's it going, Rob? Good, Derek. Good to see you again. Yeah, thanks so much. So uh, why don't we just start things off? I'll let you introduce yourself beyond what I already said. Um, tell us who you are and what you do. Well, you pretty much you got it. And by the way, I want to welcome everyone yeah. on the uh, webinar tonight. And hopefully you'll find this uh, interesting, rewarding, beneficial, and all those things. But Derek, you pretty much said it. I think let's get into the meat and potatoes. It's not so much about me. It's about what I can provide to the folks. Yeah, that's great. All right, so why don't we with what, what the OPA is, the Office of Property Assessment, because a lot of us probably just know that as an initial, and it might be a department in the cities. Uh, yeah. So what does it so, do? Does so it do? so it, you have to understand that it's, it's actually Pennsylvania state constitution. Constitutional law says that every county has to establish an office, a department, an agency within the county government mm-hmm. to assess, which is a just the same way as saying appraise or value all parcels within that jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. So this isn't anything that the city is, is unique to the city. It's every county in our state. Right. And it's, it's constitutional law. And so what, what the OPA does is attempt to value, put a value, a market value on every parcel of real estate within the city of Philadelphia. Right. And how is that different than, you know, just a random appraiser coming up with value or, or you, you know, like in the, in the private side of things, getting that done? Yeah. So it, it, in theory, it's not different. Mm-hmm. In application, it's different. Right. So the way it works, at, at being both an, a certified appraiser and a certified assessor, I know both sides of the fence. As an appraiser, we tend to look at one individual property at a time. We get an assignment to appraise a particular property, whatever it is. It could be a row house or a warehouse. And we look at that property and we go through the process of appraising it. As an assessor, that's not practical to do that because the city, as I mentioned to you in one of our conversations, we have approximately 589,000 
parcels of real estate. Mm -hmm. So in order to look at each one individually, you would probably need about 5,000 assessors. Okay. And it would take about a year. All right. right. So it's done on what's known as a mass appraisal method. Right. So we look at groups of properties. Right, right. And it's interesting to hear there's this, the, the distinction between appraiser and assessor, because probably a lot of people hear those, those words and think the same thing. But it sounds like there's, there's a different methodology behind it, and you should be using them appropriately, right? <laughs> there's a different methodology, but the end result is the same. We're both trying to determine, the, as they say, quote unquote, the fair market value of a piece of real estate. Gotcha. So how many uh, properties are in with the, within the city's database? Five, about 589,000, I think I just mentioned. Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Sorry, sorry. I missed that. Uh, okay. And that, those are empty lots or properties? or No. no. <laughs> Every legal parcel that exists in the city from a, a row house to a warehouse to an office building to a, a property with a garage on it to a vacant lot right. to multiple acres. Right. If right. It, if it's identified as a parcel, and it has a parcel number, an APN number, as it were, tax ID number. It's, it's known by a couple of different things, but it's that, you know, a nine to 11 digit number. Um, then it's a parcel. Right. And, and will that APN number ever change? You know, will, will it, does it remain the same throughout it, the world? It can change if the classification of the property changes. So OPA is very departmentalized. Mm-hmm. And so, um, for example, um, we have certain a certain series of parcel numbers specifically for what we call mixed use properties. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so if a property is mixed use, it's going to have a certain OPA number. It's it's not really important for folks to understand that, but they're eight seven one, and right. going forward, uh, apartment buildings are eight eight eight. Okay, um, commercial retail properties are eight eight two. But that's not important. What's important is we we compartmentalize them. So if this if a particular a mixed-use property were to be converted to, say, apartments or purely single-family residential, the APN number would change. Gotcha. Okay, it, cool. would, it, would, it would be a different classification of property. That's how we track how to value, because we're going to value a mixed-use property different than a single-family residence. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Um, so uh, just going back a little bit to what we were saying about the purpose of the office property assessment, you mentioned tax, like it has, has a kind of bond bond with the taxing system of real estate. And, yes. um, you know, what other groups of people are using that number? You know, obviously homeowners to, to look up their tax or, or to look up their you know tax balance or developers. Are there other city departments that are looking at that assessed value for, for any purpose? Yeah, the Department of Revenue. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we, uh, we at the OPA, we establish the, the market value, fair market value. And then the Department of Revenue applies the tax rate, which is set by the city council right. based on budgetary needs. Right. And so we, we are not the tax man. And I'm not saying that to try to you know get, get, get out from under any questions, but we deal in market value, values of real estate. Right. Um, and then based, and it's a system it's an old Latin, it's called ad valorem, which, which simply means everybody's taxed based on their value. So right. if your property is worth a lot of money, you're going to pay more tax than a property that's not worth as much money. But the millage, the rate is the same. Right now, it's currently 1.39%. That could change. Okay. Okay. Um, so so as a developer, you know, we have a call of, of 20-something developers, now 30 developers. 
uh, in the call. What do they like? When are they going to encounter the OPA in their, you know, in the process of developing a home or, or you know, that refinancing? You know, where, where does it really come into play for them? And why, why should it, what do they need to know about it specifically? Well, um, of course, every parcel is going to have a market value assigned to it. So they might want to uh, um, reassure themselves that that market value is accurate because it's a big city and values can change in volatile markets like we have now. They could change monthly. So we, the OPA, could have put a value on a property six months ago. And I'll be the first to admit it. Maybe it's not accurate anymore. Right. So it's up to the uh, uh, taxpayer property owner, as it were, to look at that number and determine whether or not they believe based on evidence, they believe, and market evidence, I should say, that they believe that that number is not correct. Now, you know, if the number is low, we're not going to hear from you. We get that. Okay. (laughs) If your property is under, we never hear from anybody that says, by the way, you have my property assessed too low. Would you bring it up a little bit? We're not hearing that. Okay. And that's okay. I get that. Right. So so how how up to date are those values? Um, are, are, like you mentioned that they might not, like, I'm sure they can't, you, you're not assessing every single property in the city month by month. Um, what, what is the average, you know, relevancy to uh, that? They're... At, at best, they're a year old. Okay. At worst, they're three years old. Gotcha. Okay. So you're so never, is- you're never going to like know the true day of market value of that home. It's, it's it, a bit of a larger scale. It sounds like. Yes. And if the market is stable, doesn't really matter because if we establish a value um, now, and let's say hypothetically we were in a stable market, that value could be valid for a year. Right. However, we haven't had a stable market since before the pandemic. Right, right. So there's right. a so, so there's a very real chance that you could check the the um, you know assessed value that that's on Atlas. You go to atlas.com, type in your address, you see the assessed value, and then you check the next day, it could shoot up 60k. No, 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 that's not going to happen. Okay. All right. I hope I didn't give you that impression. Sure. Yeah. That's not going to happen. That that may happen at best once a year, and at worst every three years. Okay. Because the city is always in the process of of um, modeling and and of um, collecting and analyzing sales data on a monthly basis, and then that process sometimes takes a year, sometimes two. Like for example, for a while there, we were on a cycle where uh, we, one year we would uh, reassess all the residential properties and the following year we'd re- reassess all the commercial properties. And so that year in between, one of those categories was left behind. Okay. okay. And so it's more than likely that the value uh, will be, if it's a stable market, there's no issue. If it's a volatile market, the value probably will no longer be accurate. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and, and so in, you know, I just want to go back to the difference between like appraised and assessed value. Say you get an appraisal on a home or, or you're, you're looking at a home and you hear somebody says the appraised value of that home. And then you go online and you check the assessed value and they're, they're quite different. Um, Cause I know that happens a lot. And even just in my frame of reference, whether it be they're out of date or, or for whatever reason it may be, um, what does that distinction mean and how should like a developer react to that? Most likely the reason that would occur is two reasons. Number one, because the assessed value is probably a lot older than the appraised value because the assessed value is a year or more old right. and the appraised value is current. Right. Right. So, so it's for any renovation or market. And that's the other reason. The other reason is we, and I say we as the OPA may not be aware of any changes in the property, either positive or negative. The property may have gone from 
what we would rate as a typical average property to becoming vacant and vandalized. We don't know that. Therefore, the value we have is for a average livable, habitable house, which is now vacant and vandalized shell. So obviously our number is too high. Gotcha. How do we know that? We need the appellate or forgive me, the taxpayer to inform us of that. Right. The other thing could be we could have a, a value on a property that as far as our records are concerned, is a typical average habitable house. And in the last couple of months, it's been totally rehabbed. Now it's worth three times more than what we have on it. We don't know that either, except we do uh, because we have access to the permits. Right, right. If somebody does it via permits. Yeah. Right, yeah, that's what I was going to ask is how does the, the office kind of like get caught up to speed or how does it learn about what's happening inside properties, mainly permitting? So what happens is generally on about a, a monthly basis, uh, Department of License Inspections updates the OPA with all the permits that were filed that month. Mm-hmm. And then each individual assessor, and I think I said to you in a conversation, last time I checked, we had about 127 licensed assessors on staff. Yeah. And our entire office staff is a little over 200 mm-hmm. uh, support personnel. Um, each assessor uh, who is assigned a different section of the city and different classifications of properties, so we're very com- compartmentalized. We'll review those permits to determine if they warrant a relook at the value. So if somebody installs a hundred amp electrical service via a permit, I'm not going to increase the value. Right. <laughs> right. However, if they put a $50,000 kitchen in, mm-hmm. that's going to trigger a real sense. Gotcha. Okay. So it's those big significant changes that you're looking at rather than like slow, you know, like, new, like- somebody puts a new roof on that's maintenance, not, not improvements. Gotcha. Okay. So the, the assessor looks at those permits, reviews them on a monthly basis, determines which ones would warrant a look for a potential assessment increase. And the ones that aren't, we just file them. Okay, great. Um, so, so I, I do want to talk about the appraisal process and the appeals process and everything. But before we get to that, just to, to kind of cover our bases in, in terms of what, what a developer needs to know about the, the appraised value, like on, on its face value when the, or sorry, the assessed value. Um, like what is it? We, we already covered how it relates to the tax taxation system of, of the property, you know, your yearly tax balance, but like, wh- what do they need to know in terms of calculating that value for the future? Like, like if they're looking at the appraised value of a potential project, let's say, um, and they're seeing they, they got an appraisal on the home of what it's going to be after they renovate or, or, or something. And then the assessed value is different. And, you know, they're expecting to be paying much, much lower taxes because that's what the assessed value is. And then that's what they're putting in their budget and, and thinking long-term, uh, I guess, like as a developer, you know, you need to count up the small costs and everything. So, should they be? Should they feel confident that that, that it's going to remain at that tax value, or should they be thinking that it's going to soon? Sh- should they be like planning for that increase in value? Yeah. Once I think it would be prudent for them to plan for the increase, especially since we now know that the assessor is provided with copies of all permits. Right. So assessors, if he's doing his or her job, they're going to review those permits, and that will trigger a second look. So I think it would be prudent for a developer who is rehabbing or renovating a property to be aware that at some point the OPA is going to become aware. of that. Right. So you should, it may take a year, but it's going to happen. Right. Right. Gotcha. So, so you shouldn't see a a low assessed value and and a high appraised value and think, Oh, like I'm going to cheat taxes there. It's, it's, it's going to get, you might for a short amount of time. Right. Gotcha. Okay, cool. Um, 
sorry, that was a long-winded question. I hope that made, made sense to you. <laughs> um, the next thing I want to talk about is the actual appraisal process and how you, you uh, or, or the assessing process, how you reach that value. Um, what it, it, we, we covered uh, the appraisal process like uh, for the, the private side of things a couple of weeks ago on one of these jumping R's. Um, and I want to ask you as a city assessor, well, what's your process? Right. A that, colleague of mine, Felix Aguirre. Yeah. yeah, 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 that's right, that's right. Uh, so, so how does it work on the city side of things and, and what's your uh, strategy like? So the goal is just like an appraiser, uh, the OPA's goal is to provide a fair market value for every parcel in the city, just the same way as an appraiser would do, except on an extremely large mass basis. Mm-hmm. So um, it's, uh, there, there's a, um, it's, it's called, what's it called? It's called modeling, but actually it uses a system which is called regression analysis. Right. Okay. I'm not, that's not my department. We have a director for that, but I, I understand a little bit about how it works, but essentially it attempts to, it attempts for a computer and an algorithm, okay, to come as close as possible to determining values for 589,000 parcels of real estate and do it within a reasonably short amount of time, which is like a year, okay? <laughs> and it's done based, you know, the old saying, garbage in, garbage out. So we, we strive to populate the model with the most accurate, relevant market information possible. Mm-hmm. So it's just like an appraiser will get an assignment to appraise, keep it simple, a house, and it'll do market research. So we have all the various different departments doing market research based on wards. We call them wards, but they're sections of the city. Mm-hmm. And based on property types. So if it's a residential ward, uh, sales data is being analyzed on sales of homes in that area. If it's um, a, re- a commercial retail property, uh, we're looking at sales and leases of commercial retail properties. Right. So we're always striving to collect and acquire as much market data as possible because there are, in the end, even though I mean, it seem like that, the goal is the same as an appraiser. If you're just tuning in, this is a conversation with Rob Luciani about the city's Office of Property Assessment, also called OPA. And uh, thank you for listening to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show on Germantown Community Radio, WRGU 92.9 FM. I hope you're enjoying the discussion. Gotcha. So um, are are any types of properties uh, looked at on an individual basis or are they all kind of looked at in in this, in a grander scheme? On appeal. On appeal. Okay. So, so maybe that's a good segue into talking about the appeal process. The only, the the only ways we would look at an individual property is based on an appeal and or uh, triggered by permits, significant permits. Mm -hmm. So we see when uh, folks are, we get permits in for rehabbing. And there's going to be two, three hundred thousand dollars spent on a rehab. We're going to look at that. Mm-hmm. Other than that, no. So if someone never appeals and they never do a rehab project, um, their property will theoretically will never be looked at individually. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, gotcha. Um, so, so now, I mean, it, it seems natural segue into the appeal process. Um, unless there's anything else you want to cover about the appraisal process, otherwise people can just go watch <laughs> the Alec or, or Felix's uh, jumping R. But uh, <laughs> why, why don't you uh, tell me a little bit about the appeals pro- appeals process and and you know what it's like here in Philly versus what, what other cities might experience? There's a couple different levels um, for appeals. I have some uh, 
some notes from a handout that I use when I do this live, as I told you about, right? So give me a second here. Yeah, no, take it. There's a couple different levels of appeal. The city does, does make an attempt to try to make the appeals process as fair and equitable as possible. Mm -hmm. uh, it may not appear that way from the outside, but um, we do want people to have an opportunity to, um, it's, 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 a, it's a right, legal constitutional right that um, uh, taxpayers, property owners have to appeal their assessment if they have a basis. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's not just because, and sometimes we hear this, and it's, it, I, I don't mean to be jovial about it, but sometimes we hear, you know, what's the basis of your appeal? My taxes are too high. Mm -hmm. That's not the basis. That's a circular argument. Yeah. <laughs> um, it has to be some sort of factual documentary evidence to show us. And we'll look at anything, mm -hmm. and, and we'll look at anything that, that an appellate has mm -hmm. if, okay. and, and make, try to make a determination if it's legitimate. Okay. Uh, before we, we start the process here, uh, I just want to uh, remind everybody that we do have a Q&A session planned in about probably about 10 minutes here once we wrap uh, wrap up our discussion. Uh, so be sure to enter those questions into the Q&A tab here on the webinar um, and uh, we'll get to them in about 10 or 15 minutes. So what, what do you have for us, Rob? Well, um, city tries to make it um, pretty um, painless. Uh, starting by not charging a fee. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that's that's an attempt to appear to be taxpayer friendly. What is the fee like in, in other cities? I've seen them as high as two hundred dollars. Okay, they're um, usually not that egregious. Yeah, I mean, well, that, yeah, that can that can make a difference in your budget. You know, if you're you're crunching numbers, I'm sure. Especially if it's a residential homeowner living in a neighborhood which is being gentrified. Right. Uh, you know, and they just you know. So there, there's program there's programs for that. There, we have Loop and we have Homestead. You you familiar with those programs? I'm not actually. What I, I think I've heard of Loop, but but what what do they do? Well, home uh, Loop is a long time owner occupied property. That's where we will take up a um, homeowner in a gentrifying neighborhood, uh, and we will freeze their assessment for ten years. Gotcha. So that they can won't be priced out of their property by significant tax increases because of all the gentrification that's going on. So they're living in a typical row house in some neighborhood in Philadelphia, which, you know, was one time worth $50,000 and now it's worth 450,000 and they can't afford to. And is, is that a program people would access through your office? Would they, would they contact you? Yeah. Okay. The OPA website. Gotcha. Okay. Everything's cool. on, everything's on the web. Now it used to be people would come into the office, come to our CSC. Um, I'm sorry, customer service. Center. Right. <laughs> And, uh, you know, come wait in line and apply for the, but it's now done all. Okay, great. Yeah, that, that's good. I, I would be interested in, in having a discussion about that. Maybe that's a, a future jump in our topic about how people can, can preserve their, their long-time residences. That's, that's it, good. It, it's um, intended, it's intended to not to price people out of their home via taxes. Good. And the same thing with homestead. Right. And that, that the same thing. That's where a, a flat amount, $45,000 is deducted from any, person's assessment if it's your primary residence and you live there okay wow so whatever you're assessed for you apply once again you apply online whatever you're assessed for i have it at my house <laughs> nice. nice cool doesn't matter you could be a millionaire mm -hmm. live in a house mm -hmm. in the city of philadelphia mm -hmm. 
and you're a homeowner, you're entitled to, to the homestead exemption. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, so, so the appeals process, where, where do you start? If you, you, you check the website or, or you get a, a notice or something about what your, your home is and you strongly disagree, um, we, we don't have to go into the many reasons why, why you might, but let's just say you, you have a, a, a you know, strong basis to disagree. What do you do? What's your first step? So I would recommend that they, that they um, file what's called an FLR, first level review. It doesn't require a hearing. That's where uh, the request goes directly to the assessor in that ward, in that district. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I know back in 2012, when we first started the, the, um, the, the, uh, the uh, revaluation process, which we hadn't done in a while, we got like 57,000 FLRs in one year <laughs> because mm-hmm. it was easy to do when we first started the FLL, F, FLR uh, process. Anyway, long story short. Um, it doesn't require an appearance. It doesn't require an appraisal. It's simply saying, hey, Mr. Assessor, would you take another look at my number because I think it's too high? Now, you do have to provide some sort of documentation about why it's too high. Give us a reason. Why is it too high? Well, the house across the street just sold and it sold for a lot less than mine. Well, when we look at it, we find out that, that you know, your house is 3,000 square feet and that one's 1,000 square feet. So, of course, it's going to sell for less. Yeah. But nevertheless... If they have a reason, how in detail do you have to be in that in that writing? Is it just a couple sentences or really informal? Most people write them in their handwriting. There you go. All right. Or, <laughs> and they fax it in or, or, or email it in or they'll do it online. They can print out the application, fill it out, email it back. It's very informal. And I got to tell you, the more informal it is, the less likely you're going to be granted a reduction because we have to have something to hang our hat on right as, as an assessor which is i don't necessarily do this in my daily routine anymore but over the years i've done them if i'm going to agree to lower someone's assessment i better have documentation for that otherwise whoever my supervisor is at the time the question why'd you lower that assessment what was your authority what was your basis oh right. because the people said they couldn't afford to tax anymore well you know <laughs> I'm, I'm going to get in trouble <laughs> So, so let's say, what, what would you say, how, how many out of 10 cases do you think get solved in that first level appeal uh, or, or first level? A lot do, because many people, unfortunately, do not have sufficient documentation. Okay. And so they're denied and then they're told they can go to the next level. doesn't prevent them. They can file a, a regular appeal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, which Again, they don't. They could request non-hearing, or they can. This one, they could either request a having hearing or a non-hearing. Okay. Um, and so, and then, and then that becomes a formal appeal, mm-hmm. and then it's looked at again. Mm-hmm. And hopefully, there's some documentation. You know, sometimes if if I get an opportunity to speak to a taxpayer, I'll say, "Look, you're not required to, to have an appraisal." By the way, the city only requires an appraisal if the value is over a million dollars. Okay. You are required to have some kind of evidence. So go to your local realtor's office, get some printouts of some comparable sales, go to Zillow, go to Redfin, take mm-hmm. pictures. If you're saying your house is over-assessed, let's see what it looks like. Let us in the house, mm-hmm. which more often than not, folks don't want to let us in because they think that's going to be disadvantageous to them. And it's not, especially mm-hmm. if they're home is in need of repair right. to their advantage to allow. So it sounds like there's some things that things that you can do to kind of like help ease that that process a little bit. And yeah, more, absolutely. More. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and um, you know, um, it's all about if you have some kind of documentation from any source, the local real estate office, like I said, Redfin, Zillow, anything. We look at everything and anything. Mm-hmm. And we try to sift through it. And sometimes folks do send in photographs. I, we, I can recall when I was doing uh, that kind of assessor work, we often get a, a lot of photographs. Of course, you know, the ones that showed the holes in the ceilings and the roof leaking and stuff like that. And that's okay. You know, if that's true, then it's a basis for a reduction. Gotcha. Now, do people ever um, try to make the claim that they should be like reimbursed for the taxes that, that they paid while the, the appeal process was going on or anything like that? Or is, or is, the, is it understood that as soon as the assessed value is reconsidered or, or it updates, that's when they'll, they'll begin paying the updated tax rate? To, to my knowledge, um, they don't get reimbursed. If that were to happen, it, it goes to the Department of Revenue. Mm-hmm. wouldn't come from the OPA. We don't deal in any kind of money at all. We don't collect money. We don't send bills out. We send notices, as you know, assessment notices. Right. So I really don't know to be honest with you, Derek. I guess it's possible that if someone has paid a significant amount of money over in overage in taxes, I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure that I have heard some stories around the office where uh, significant refunds were provided to large commercial buildings that were overassessed in the millions. Gotcha. So gotcha. yes, I believe they would get, be entitled to a refund. Okay. Okay. Um, so I, the last thing I want to ask about is is abatement, because um, that's something you mentioned as a, another process you want to describe. Yeah. Um, unless there's anything to cover with with appeals, or, or do you feel like well, the important thing about appeals is that um, it, it's available. It, it is the recourse. Mm-hmm. It, it's not about we're doing anyone a favor. It's your legal right. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, you know, we're required by law to look at appeals. That's part of what we do. So, you know, and there's a couple different levels. The first level review is the first one. Then it can, then it can go to an appeal with not having to come in because some people might say, I don't want to go in for a hearing. So we'll look at it without a hearing. We'll look at it with the hearing. Uh, then it can go to the court of common pleas, which usually is for larger commercial properties. But, you know, that's the recourse. So when someone gets an assessment notice and they believe it's too high and they have documentation to prove that it's too high, they absolutely should file an appeal. That's your legal right. Gotcha. Okay. That's the best thing I could say. (laughs) And you don't don't need to be represented by a lawyer Mm -hmm. or a CPA. You don't need an appraisal unless the value of the property is over a million dollars. I recommend sometimes to people they should get an appraisal because that does a lot of talking. You know, right. someone hands us a certified appraisal, we're going to look at that with a lot more credibility than, mm-hmm. than them handing us a couple of printouts from an MLS. Yeah, sure. Sure. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's kind of like they're doing their work for you, <laughs> doing your work for you. They're helping right you. Now they're going to have to pay for that appraisal. It's going to cost them three, four, five, six hundred dollars. Right. Uh, so they have to decide whether or not that's worth it. But, you know, um, they don't have to have an appraisal. Sure. Okay. And so um, it, it's the, the, the city, it's not the OPA necessarily, but the city in general tries to make the process as taxpayer friendly as possible. That's about the best thing I can say. All right. Got it. So that covers appeals. Now, what about abatements? Well, uh, so that would relate a lot to what your folks are doing, of course. Okay. Mm-hmm. Because um, um, if anyone doesn't understand what abatement means, it simply means that it's the city's attempt to, pro- to promote development and regentrification. 
So the city essentially says, hey, you potential developers, builders, whatever, if you'll do, you know, go through the, um, and of course, you know, for a profit, the city doesn't have any limitation on what kind of profit you make, but if you'll do the process of gentrifying the city for your effort, we will abate the real estate taxes for up to 10 years. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, been bantered around city council for the past probably five years or more about reducing that. Mm-hmm. Last I heard, it's still at 10 years. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and so th- th- sometimes the confusing part about that is that the land assessment does not get abated, only the improvements or the building. Okay. The property is assessed, just use round numbers, for $200,000. And the land is assessed for fifty thousand, and the uh, building is assessed for one fifty. One fifty will be abated. Mm-hmm. The property owner will still pay tax on the fifty thousand dollars land. Gotcha. But that's a significant abatement. Okay. So there's always going to be tax. It'll right. just be on the land. Now, there's there's partial abatements depending on circumstances. We have rehab abatements. We have new construction abatements. A couple of different classifications, but essentially that's what it is. Okay. The value of the improvements, as we said, are abated. Okay, gotcha. Makes sense to me. Um, so, so we're right about here at seven forty, and and we have a couple questions um, that, that came through. So, is there any any closing points you want to make here, Rob, or, or otherwise we, we can move on to the Q and A? Well, yeah, abatements are important for developers uh, like your folks because it, it would induce it would be a good marketing tool. You know, right. A lot of um, builders and um, renovators and folks that do the stuff that you folks do can say, well, you know, uh, when, if you buy this property after I renovate it, you'll pay no tax on the building for 10 years. You'll pay it on the land, which is significantly less. Okay. Right. Right. But you won't pay it on the building. So it, we have seen that it's a, a good marketing tool. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. To be able to offer. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, so what is that? Do, do they go through your office, or what, what's the process? Yeah, the abatements are. It's I don't work in that department. We have an abatement department and an exemptions department. Gotcha. And okay. so you would file applications for the various abatements, depending. On, well, for example, there's new construction. That means it's ground up, brand new. There's rehab. Um, there's a, a, a built a, a developer's abatement. There's a end user homeowner abatement. There's abatements for commercial industrial properties. There's all different kinds, but. Right. I'm sure they're all accessible on the website. And that concludes my conversation with Rob Luciani, who works for the Office of Property Assessment, also called OPA, about what the assessed value of your home means and what the appeals and abatement processes look like. The interviews on this program are recorded during Jumpstart Germantown's weekly Jumpinar series, which takes place via Zoom webinar every Monday night at 7 p.m. If you'd like to participate in the live Q&A with our guest, be sure to head to jumpstartgermantown.com events and register for next week's Jumpinar. If you're interested in starting a Jumpstart program in your own community, visit gojumpstart.org and see our how-to guide and open source training workbook. Thanks so much for listening to the Jumpstart Philly Real Estate Radio Show on Germantown Community Radio, WRGU 92.9 FM, and be sure to tune in next week.